Hi, I'm Spencer Gilbert. I'm Michelle Boyd. I'm Roth Cornett. Hosts of Watching Thrones. Join us live every Monday at 11 a.m. after Game of Thrones on YouTube.com slash Screen Junkies News to call in and join the conversation. Today's episode is presented by T-Mobile, America's best unlimited network. Yes! <laughs> so, Game of Thronesy, we are back, guys. Welcome to season two of Watching Thrones, season seven of Game of Thrones, where if you haven't guessed by now, we watch Game of Thrones and we talk about it. But it is not just us, we want to hear from you, so call in at our Skype line, SJ+. Live, SJ Plus Live on Skype, and tweet that with the hashtag Watching Thrones to join the discussion. Joining us is a small council of brilliant maesters, all of them. First up, Kyle Maddock from the podcast of Ice and Fire. Yes, hey. thanks for having me, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Welcome back. Roth Cornett from Screen Junkies News. Hello, Spencer. And I see you every day, but it's more exciting today. It's more exciting when we're in this <laughs> medieval times uh, uh, role play here. And Michelle Boyd. I don't get to see you nearly enough. I know. We're back. <laughs> uh, guys, as uh, Daenerys said to the big table, shall we begin? We shall. Yes. Let's jump right in, because there's so much to cover. And that begins with our top story of the dragon has landed. Daenerys, the mother of dragons, more recently the mother of dragon harass around Essos, <laughs> not really <laughs> doing much, seasons. has finally made landfall. Guys, she's on Dragonstone. How'd that make you feel to see? Finally, the dragons get to take a nap. <laughs> what yeah, did they, they, they have a boat? Did they have a dragon barge? <laughs> I yeah. think it, it was one of those things last season where you were wondering exactly, was she going to just go straight for King's Landing? And then when we saw the teasers, we knew that this is where she was headed. Um, and I think that they were able to make it impactful by choosing to have the scene play out in silence. Yeah. Now, Kyle, uh, you can probably remind us why this is a big deal that this is Daenerys on Dragonstone. Uh, well, this is her. This is the ancestral home of the Targaryens. Uh, this is where they set up before he made conquest for all of Westeros. So, uh, before him and his sisters Aegon and his sisters went off. Yeah, you never see it in the sun. It's always really gloomy there. Winter is here, man. You know what? A lot of people were complaining that it was empty. Look how gloomy and depressing that is. Why would you want to move in there? Uh, okay, let's. Well, I actually take issue with that. It was so empty. Like they couldn't throw one like light Lannister garrison in there, Dude, or just like some brigands left. or something like that. No, 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 no. Think about what's happening in that world right now, right? Everybody is trying to maintain. First of all, everything is falling apart for most people. Civil There's War Part Two. Civil War Part Two. As far as they know, that this is a tiny little island that doesn't have a ton of resources. It's got a castle. The <laughs> words "free castle" in Game of Thrones are like free brothel. It's like that's <laughs> someone's then, gonna go for it. But then but, you got to deal with the heating bill and the internet. I mean, like no one's around to actually pay for that anymore. And they actually do have a scene in King's Landing where Jamie's whole thing is how thinly they're yeah. stretched. And they can't. Yeah. even feed their own troops well, they in had, their own um, city. We'll get to that later, but yeah, Ed Sheeran and the Band of Merry Men were going just because they heard <laughs> some phrase might be yeah, dead. But you have an empty castle that can defend the whole east coast of Westeros. Nothing? That's well, the only reason I do agree with that. Because they did set, if we hadn't had the scene where they were sending yeah. people to defend the phrase, which is like, okay, they're all dead anyway, what are you really going to do? Yeah. Um, 
you're right. In that sense, they know they know she's coming. They know that's probably where she'll land. But what? Unless they send the entire army, yeah. think about what she has with it's her. It's easy to exactly. hold. Davos held it with you know a barrel of onions. Um, but <laughs> regardless, she, we're has she has dragons. She has dragons. Dragons. She has the Dothraki army. She has. We're getting way down in the minutia already. Yeah. I can tell it's going to be a theme. Uh, Just begun. Fantastic. Yeah, but she's a. Uh, she ends the episode standing over the map that her great granddad or I guess ancestor carved. Great, great, great. Great, yeah, great, a great, lot of greats great, down great, the line. Great, great grandfather. <laughs> a yeah. couple greats. So probably it, an uncle in there. I mean, there's a lot of incest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets, yeah. gets a little blurry. So where do we think she's going to go first? Well, that's the argument, isn't it? Uh, I think it's a question of they just want to go straight down to King's Landing mm. and just start this war all over, or are we going to do something else? Yeah, I'm really curious what part of her entourage there actually joined her because did the Dornish break off, go back to Dorne no, to there. gather the rest of their troops, or they're there, they're there with them? Yeah. yeah so quick, okay. quick mini spoiler, spoiler thing. Close your yeah. ears for five seconds. Spoiler if you, for if you next, don't want to scenes from the, the next, next like, episode. Ten seconds. Yeah, because of the preview, you do see uh, you see Olena, you see Ilaria uh, with her in the, for lack of a better term, not throne room. What are we going to call it? The great map room. Yeah, the map room. The sure. Map room. Yeah, the painted room. table room. Uh, the map room uh, with her. Kind of that's her new small council. So they're there uh, okay. with her and they're all kind of deciding what to do. They want it. They want to just go down and start storming King's Landing. They're like, we got all the men. We got all the ships. Let's do this. They've got dragons. Is it much of a decision? It seems like they're a little overpowered at this point. Yeah. yeah. Might not be. That, that King's Landing is overpowered? That no, the Dragonstone. No, Dragonstone. They've my, got dragons. They've got Dothraki. They've got an armada. My real question is, look, you got Tyrion and Alaria in the same room. Uh, does he care that she killed Marcella? Yeah, but let's remember <laughs> that Euron has a thousand ships, right? And he's promised Cersei that he's going to bring her back a irreplaceable, a priceless, priceless. present, right? Mm-hmm. Gift. And and that to me is could be a number of things, sure, but I think it's Tyrion. That was, that was my first thought, too. I think that's what going after. That was my first thought. I think that's probably too big of a thing to happen yeah. this season. I think, think Tyrion so? is, is one of my all-time locks for making it to the end, and to have him just be lopped off to bring a gift to Cersei? Like, no. We were I don't getting think a he'll lot be more. dead. Oh, you think that's just what he meant by it? Yeah. Okay. Not, he, wouldn't bring, he wouldn't bring a dead Tyrion to her because he would want her to have the opportunity to yeah. torture and kill Tyrion herself. Well, he, again, slight, think alike. slight spoiler alert. Uh, what is it? The uh, episode description for three or four that's come out says Cersei returns a gift. Yeah. So Ooh, might yeah. be something she doesn't necessarily want. Because my second thought was like Dragonbinder from the book. Sure. Like okay, yep. he goes out and finds yeah. The, yeah. the magical horn that burns people alive from the inside that yeah. can control a dragon. Mm-hmm. That'd yeah. be pretty cool, but I wouldn't return that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd throw we... away that receipt. Yeah. What about a dragon itself? I mean, it, could he go and <sighs> possibly tame a dragon? One of these? How to train he, your dragon? This is a guy who's been all over the world. He's seen a lot of stuff that nobody else has seen. He's seen a hot um, topic for sure. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> what, if, what if he's seen some stuff? What if there is another dragon somewhere in the world? I know we've been told they're the last dragons, but you know they always kind of surprise us with random things. What if he knows there's another one somewhere? Or what uh, if he knows, yeah, something to bind, like totally bind one of the dragons somewhere to equal the, the playing field? Because like you were saying, King's uh, Dragonstone is a bit overpowered right yeah. now. How is King's Landing going to put up a fight at all? Well, before we move on from Dragonstone, because there's a lot more to get through, I just want to touch on something maybe more meta, and that is, is Emilia Clark a good actress? I had that thought too. She does have this kind she of is blank, like dead-eyed. I, I expected thing. a little bit more emotion when she landed, or and when she walked into the throne room. Yeah. I'm getting nothing, and that could be read as like imperious powerfulness, or it could just be like she's a little outclassed by the show, as Terminator Genesis showed us. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think she's doing a great job. Okay. I, nothing, nothing that she's done has been taking me out of it or whatnot. This is her first acting gig right out of college, right? Mm-hmm. Or right out of acting school. Like that, yeah. And uh, I think she's doing a fantastic job. I never go, you know what? I her acting so bad, I'm not going to follow her. But I, I may want to have more, but it's not bad. Okay. I just think they might be out of stuff to do with her character at this point. She just kind of shows up at the end and stands and goes, Dragons! Sometimes I do. There was an image between her and Tyrion, and she was sort of just imperiously standing there as he um, appealed to her and said and professed that I've never believed in anything. I do believe in you. And it was one of those moments where I thought about, like, how was she choosing to play that? You know what I mean? And it's so remote. And you could say that this is a woman that's been through so much trauma and she has armor upon armor, personality armor mm-hmm. on herself. So maybe that's it. Kyle, Ice Dragon? Ice Dragon. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say anything, but yeah, there might be an Ice Dragon around. Like, does Euron maybe have an idea about that? I would I would think if anybody does, he does. Okay. Mm. Speaking we'll of ice, oh, we God. now journey to the north. <laughs> yes, the north. Uh, and another, uh, some great acting, actually. Uh, John and Sansa. We, we reunite with them. And though it may be cold outside, there's some spiciness in their relationship. There's some tension between them now. Uh, Sansa kind of uh, gets a little testy with them in a council meeting. Um, How do we feel about that? I loved it. I thought this was a really good example of the writing that I love from Game of Thrones because you start out being completely on Sansa's side and you're like, yeah, absolutely. Of course, take those castles away. Of course, give them to our loyal bannermen. And then you've got kids. And then you have John call on kids. Um, Ned Umber, by the way, nice choice in name, and Alice Karstark, which is cool because I missed her from the books. And you know, and of course they come forward. Sorry, Thank that, you. There it is. Yay! Every time Everyone. someone quotes the books, we get a little. <laughs> we need, we need a sh- that's our shame bell. Everyone gets one. Oh crap! We have. I, it was just nice because they're so instantly sympathetic, and of course, then you kind of more side with John and the emotional side of it, and then later. You go back to Sansa, and she has a very good argument of like you can't always do what is right; you have to do what is best. So who That's do you think how is my right? Brother the, and my father lost the their Karstarks heads. and the Umbers were traitors. Let's just say mm-hmm. it, and uh, they don't really get punished for it. Um, who's right in this situation? We do also need every living person, I assume, to fight ice zombies. To be honest, like, look, this is how war is fought. I'm sorry, but when your bannermen turn against you, you get to take their castles. That's just how it is, no matter how cute the kids are. I understand where John is coming from, but like, this is the way that war works, and this is the way you seal loyalty, and you keep everything going. Okay, but neither and both are right at this point, right? That's like, what's so like, good about yeah. the writing. Like, in humanity, first of all, I... I understood her points, but it happens to be a huge pet peeve of mine to ha- to argue in front of people. I hate that. Take it somewhere else, come oh, to yeah. a decision, not and then come back. Not in front of the kids, Because it makes you look weak, and it makes you look disorganized, and that's going to make them doubt their leadership that they just now agreed to. So it's like a hard, like, do it in private, then come to a decision, and then come back with a clear decision. So that's where I think she screwed up. They're both right, and they're both wrong, because you're right. They should be rewarding the people that have showed loyalty to show them that they should continue to do so. But at the same time, can they really afford to lose any men, any women at this point? Like, to John's point, they can't. Absolutely. Well, the undermining speaks to Sansa's character a little bit because she spent five seasons being silent next to Joffrey and next to Littlefinger. And girl ain't going to be silent anymore. So I get it. It may not be, like, a good move, but I get it. I understand where she's coming from. It's still not the right thing to do because, yeah, undermining John in front of everyone is just not a good idea. But 
I get it. It speaks truly to her character. Yeah, and they, I agree. I agree. They are both right in this situation. That's what's so beautiful about it. It's 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 gray. It's not black and white, because they both have their eyes. They're quite literally being attacked from both sides, and one of them's got their eyes on the north, and one of them's got their eyes on this battle of the south, and they've got to protect themselves from both ways. But they're both thinking the other one is more important than the other. So they're both right. They just need to come together and figure out how to deal with a double-sided attack. Yeah. Different priorities. Yeah. And quick, speaking of quick a, mention of how Sansa's hair uh, looks a lot like Cersei's hair from early oh, seasons. Yeah. I didn't notice that. And her kind of quoting a lot of Cerseisms yeah. and kind of picking up what Cersei was putting down yeah. from earlier. So she's that's a little worrying. I noticed that too. I feel like they were definitively having her mirror her. They're in this very episode. deliberate. They're with very deliberate. They said in almost the exact same line. I loved them. I miss. I love them. I miss them. But onwards, like I and the prize. Now it's about what we need, and they're both aiming for the same thing. Her hair is very similar. Mm-hmm. She, she said she learned something. She a thing learned or two from, from her. Cersei. What do we think she learned? Because that could be good or bad. Well, she says it right there. She says anybody that's ever gone that's crossed Cersei, she has murdered. She has taken out, mm. and that. That's a huge lesson. Like, yeah. You don't mess me, with them. This was personal for her, too. Part of the reason she wanted to take the castles away from the Karstark's numbers is because they allied with Ramsay. And anything to do with Ramsay, Sansa just sees red. Yeah, F them. Uh, <laughs> that's way <laughs> that. like, They didn't I just betray them. They betrayed them that. for Ramsay Bolton. Like, uh, get out of here. Yeah. Flay them all. Like, I'm she's sorry, the kids are cute, but I don't care. Yeah. She's also sort of representing the audience, though, in a way, in the sense of, like, she's having that conversation that we've all had about the Starks are moral and we love them for it. How stark. But, <laughs> but they're, it's to their own detriment, right? And so I think that's the argument she's having is like, the Lannisters don't care. They will do whatever it takes to win, and that's not what we have to do. We have to be smart. We have to not care about other people. We have to not care about our, the morality our dad taught us anymore. He tried to protect us, but he wasn't able to. Yeah, but this war is different. This is everybody. We can't rely on the old way. It, it needs to be all hands on deck. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was also a moment in this scene that could be read as a little bit of fan servicey, or it could be something that you really love. And to answer that, speaking of fan service, let's get a fan on the phone and Woo-hoo. ask them. Hello. Hey. Woo-hoo. Hey. 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 How are you? Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. It's so good to see you all again. Great you to see too. you, dude. Hello. Um, I have a, a thing I really liked and a thing I didn't like so much about the episode. Uh, but real quick, uh, to agree with Roth, I think that Sansa and John have the right idea, but her not talking to him before that meeting was the mistake that she made, but I think she's right in that uh, he's not looking back at the political part, he's just looking at the, the White Walkers, and I think she has the right idea that she, he needs to consider all of the, the big picture, but fair point. she shouldn't have interrupted him because, you know, th- that undermines him in that setting. So. Jack, I have, a, I have a question for you, buddy. Um, yes. How did you feel about the reappearance and reemergence of Lil Liana Mormon. Um, how oh, do you dude, feel? she's the greatest. You think she's okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love her. She could, I love her. I just wait every episode for her to stand up and just put a bunch of idiots in their place. Uh, she can, as long as she has that line every single episode, I'm happy. Um, she's so awesome. That girl is awesome. I'm waiting for I the really Liana like backlash, man. She's like the Jennifer Lawrence I of Westeros. So yeah, some of us had worry. some misgivings. It felt a little bit like giving the people what they want a little too easily to me. Yeah, we'll see. It's like, like kind of a. Still like always, it doesn't always have to be her, right? Like someone else can have the smart thing that also needs to be said. But right now, I'm still okay with it being her because I love that girl and her sass. You're so team Liana. Yeah, like she's just got a great performance. If so. it is fan service, then you are one fan who has been serviced thoroughly. It sounds like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
real quick, I just want to talk about one thing that I, I, I didn't like about the episode. We only have seven episodes this season sure. uh, to get through. I think we didn't need, say, ten minutes of boat, right? Because we got, uh, hey, look, here's a boat in the water, and now here's a whole boat in the water, and now here's the front of the boat with the flags, and here's the back of the boat with a whole bunch more ah. boats and more flags, and it's like ten minutes of, uh, I, I mean, really what happened, the cold open is the most amazing thing that happened in this episode, and I think there was some, like the Sam scene, also very good, went on a little long. I think at this point, like, we've gotten through seven seasons of this show. Like, it's time to start moving this story along and things need to happen. Like, the White Walkers needed to have done something. Give us a little bit more than just the beginning yeah. of the show. That is I, a great question, yeah. Jack. And thanks again for calling, dude. I hope, thanks, you, uh, hope you keep calling Thank in. Thank you, um, Jack. I, I agree. I mean, there were a, a few slower moments, but at well, the same time, honest, there's always it's filler. the first episode. <laughs> yeah, it's the first there's episode. Like, you bit. can't keep getting clubbed over the head with fast-paced stuff the entire time. So I get it. I'm, I'm reserving judgment on that until, like, the second But the, the shortened season really raised my expectations for this, that there wouldn't mm. be any filler, that they'd cut all the fat by removing some episodes. And, yeah, I don't know if there's anything I would cut from this. Maybe you really didn't need Bran in the sled and Ed. Uh, well, but part, but part, <laughs> of the, part of the enjoyment That's of huge. Game of Thrones was, was these moment. giant <laughs> sweeping shots. Like, I enjoy it. I love seeing the wall from far away. Yeah. I love seeing yeah. The boat, the steampunk boat that you're on apparently yeah. commissioned. Like, and I, those are the most expensive shots. Yeah, uh, a, a you saw Winterfell from overhead that budget. I've never seen before. Mm. Like that was yeah. cool. I, I, that's part of my enjoyment of the show. So I'd be sad if they started cutting all of that. Yeah. I think we're also anxious to see certain things play out. But then when I've gone back and watched episodes that I previously thought were just filler, I realized how rich they were and mm -hmm. how much was actually happening. So we'll see. Can I say one thing about John and Sansa before we move on? Sure. Is it the incest threat level? It's not. <laughs> it's pretty low at this so point. Let's check in on our incest threat, Jon Snow incest threat level, which is either his aunt or his cousin. I think that the Jon Snow incest threat level is both low and high in this episode. I'll tell you why. I think it's pretty low with Sansa because they're not getting along, but that could lead to some kind of hate, you know what? But I don't think it's going there. Um, they don't seem to be forming a marriage alliance at this point. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, at the end of the episode, he, we are going to discover, he's going to find out that Daenerys has what he needs, and then they'll come to meet up. So I think that the incest sure. threat level is at like 50%. Sure. Um, Hold steady. Sansa had a great line, there I thought, with Littlefinger. Little <laughs> I don't know right if we can in see the middle. this. <laughs> incest threat, threat level. level. Incest threat level 50%. Right there. Yeah. We need a better 3D um, graphic. We do. We need to grab some graphics. <laughs> She had such a great line with Littlefinger, which was no need to secure the last word. I'll assume it was clever, which has showed us like she's so hardened right now. It was now. a sick burn, yeah. It was a sick burn. But the you thing need is, all of winter to cool that burn. <laughs> but she keeps talking to him, and he keeps sort of like he keeps egging her on, I think, and telling her, "You're not happy. You're not getting what you need." And if we look at, I've brought up this theory before, like the direwolves to me represent how stark they are. If your direwolf is alive, you're very stark. That's why I never thought Arya would turn and be no name. Nymeria is alive, lost, mm. but alive. She's still a stark. Jon is still a stark. Sansa's not been a stark in a long time. Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. soon as she got to King's Landing, she turned, she abandoned the look 
of the North. She adopted their ways. I don't think she's really been a Stark in a long, long time, and I wouldn't be surprised if she did follow Cersei's path ultimately and maybe align with Littlefinger and betray John. It's going to be oh, interesting wow. to see what Littlefinger does because he's been the one that's been literally conniving since like he was a child. So yeah. I don't think we can discount him just yet and start marveling over how Sansa's handling him. I'm still a little scared of him. Yeah, sure. So that's, yeah, he may, she makes that comment like I know exactly what he wants. Oh yeah, we know what that means at this yeah. table. Yeah. We're all adults here. What, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Brienne's like, what? What's I don't think, that, I don't do think that's she's... Littlefinger's end game is just he just wants, uh, he just wants he to says. be up in some Stark? Well, he no. said he wanted he to, to sit on, on the throne Iron Throne with her, with her on yeah. his side. Got that's it. what he wants. I don't think that she meant that at all. Like, oh, he wants some of this. I think she meant, like, he wants well, I thought that's us exactly what she meant. <laughs> I, I thought she meant he wants us to align to take the Iron Throne. She wants me to be, He wants me to betray John. He wants me to be queen of the north, and that we take the Iron Throne together. That's what he wants. Interesting. So, what are the what moves are on the table for Littlefinger at this point? I'm I'm kind of unclear on who needs who. I guess they both need each other because they're both comprising half an army. Is that is that the situation? It's hard to see what other option he has because mm-hmm. what other what other house could he ally himself with? I mean, well, he could just hide Danny, in the veil, and he doesn't need yeah, to do anything. He doesn't really. need to do anything. Yeah, but that wouldn't serve as endgame either. Yeah. Wait until everyone's dead, and then come in and take over. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Again, Littlefinger is not the only side character who pops up. Brienne is still there. Brilliant Brienne, who pops in to say, I think Littlefinger might be up to something. (laughs) Safe bet, Brienne. Safe bet. I love her so much. She's my spirit animal. Yeah, she's a little off balance from her Tormund meeting. Oh, my God. Now, again, speaking of fan service, I mean, I I love it, but do we think this is really going anywhere, uh, Brienne and Tormund? God, I hope so. I'd yeah. be so sad if it didn't. I mean, she's just so suspicious of any male attention, but, oh, I just want her to be happy, and he's so great. It's leading to a sad moment at yeah, East Watch exactly. by the Sea. Yeah. Yeah. I also exactly. think that if we yeah. were taking a death poll, uh, Tormund would be pretty, pretty high, high, high on my list. He's a little too gung-ho about going to the uh, to the ice castle that's right in the path of the yeah. Zoe. I, think, I think Tormund's greatest wish is to be Brienne's sub. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, just... I think that wish is going to remain unfulfilled, sadly for all of us. Oh. Sadly for all. All of us. Yeah, but we do think that Brienne will stick around. And uh, where do we where do we see her arc going this season? If she's at Sansa's side, um, is she going to uh, reunite with Jaime? Uh, is she going to? How's she going to end up? Good question. It's I, a little early. She's going to fight Jaime. I mean, p- potentially because she Sansa brings up the point that basically her only protection currently is Brienne. Um, and we can't imagine that she's going to stay entirely safe throughout the course of the season. So Bran's going to have to do some fighting for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's with Jamie. I guess it all depends on which way they turn. Are they going north or south? The north is still, or Winterfell is still under question. And speaking of the north, as I mentioned, Bran's in a sled, meets Dolores' sled. <laughs> I think that's all we need to say about it. Or is Trying there anything so you guys hard like to be imposing I from a sled. I don't care about Bran. I never have. So I never care. will. This is a pretty important scene, though. I think this yeah. has a lot of significance that they're not talking about because Bran still has that mark on his wrist or on his arm yes. yeah. which let the Night King into the, uh, the, the under or, tree yeah, the, the hobbit hole mm. um, the Keebler Elf tree yeah. <laughs> yeah. we have to imagine it's the same magic <sighs> we just don't know you would think there would have been some kind of notice or like any 
anything when he walked into the wall and mm. like nothing happened. Mm. And Dolores said, "Just let them all in there." Which way to go, Ed? I, I Ed's the one that brings down the wall. Well, I think that's a smart. <laughs> I think that's a smart choice to do it in a quiet way because if all of a sudden he came through the wall and it was like, dun, 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 you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, that's a little too obvious, a little too heavy-footed there. Yeah, so did I miss something? Because it seems like he really dodges Ed's question of like, how do I know you are who you say you are? Yeah. And like, you fought it the fist of the first man, like. No, no, that didn't answer my question. How do I know? Let me see your ID. Take out your driver's license. Let's do that. Um, yeah, that took a little suspension of disbelief, I think. He didn't quite answer the question, but he said a thing that convinced him to be like, all right, I guess come in. I thought it was funny. It was like Ed's reaction is just like, okay, dude, you're totally freaking me out. Come on in. Come on in. But at the same time, excuse me, Dullerous Ed is used to dealing with Starks that, you know, do magical things like come back to life. So Stark, if he bumps yeah. into wow. another Stark, he's like, God, you guys are really yeah, weird. You're so weird. <laughs> but I, I think that your point, Kyle, and you were making the point that, that the mark on his arm allowed them to break the magic, that it's possible that this will be part of what helps them get through the wall and mm -hmm. across the wall and or bring the entire wall down, mm -hmm. which was basically foreshadowed like it's three or four times. A few times, yeah. We'll and one, la soon. one last note on Bran and the sled. Sled Bran is, um, uh, it's probably too complicated for them to address in the show, but is there any concern that he's actually the heir to Winterfell? He's a more legitimate heir than John. Do we it. see that playing out that they might hand over the reins to him? I doubt it because I think at this point it's assumed that he can't have children. I mean granted he's a little young but like if you can't well, carry on the right. line <laughs> and it doesn't matter you know John's been declared king in the north and Bran can't fight he can't have kids and I think he's just happy to put his hand on a tree until the end of time. <laughs> I think that by the time that they even know he's alive it'll be too late for Winterfell or any other throne to matter. I yeah. agree. And yeah. also, he doesn't seem that interested in it. Nah. No. He's more into, you know. He's ooh. like his tree and stuff. Yeah, he's got some different callings going on there. <laughs> just, uh, like, just like Maester Eamon, you know, he could have been king, and he's like, I gotta do this Maester thing. Yeah. Speaking of callings, let's uh, take another call when we have one. Uh, caller, who you are, where are you calling from? Hello. Oh, hi. Hey there. Uh, I'm Derek from Philadelphia. Hi, Derek. Hi. What's going on, Derek? How'd, what'd you think about the episode? Uh, I loved it. Uh, the opening was my favorite part, though. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and uh, uh, my theory for what Euron is going to bring Cersei is whatever Jorah used to teleport to the Citadel. <laughs> we'll get to the, I mean, the time travel jetpacks are, are, are rife. And just a quick thing about that. I'm not going to care about that this season. No. It's just, there's so many no. things. I'm I, Fine. They bounce around from one end of the continent to the other. Fine. Cool. Whatever. Yeah. But, but I got you. I understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, the time the, frame is a little muddled at this point. A little wonky. Yeah. yeah. It, I've always assumed that the time frames weren't moving at the same rate. That in different locations, that the time frame was moving at different rates than other locations. Yeah, kind of like mm. the books actually. Yeah. When they oh. when they split oh. up for uh, four and five. Uh, did you have a question for us? Oh well, just with that. Although, who would give him a ride? Like. Thank you, caller. That was that's an awesome question. Uh, thanks for calling in. But thanks, my guess, Eric. my guess is uh, Gendry. Uh, oh, yeah. I think he row, row, rowed his boat all the way to Old Just Town. Just put on a giant body condom and it's like, you sit on that side of the boat. Uh, that's great. So we're not going to Old Town quite yet. First, we're making a stop in King's Landing. He mentioned uh, we've touched on Euron Greyjoy. Uh, I want to touch on uh, his makeover. Oh my um, god. This, I... As the new lead singer of My Chemical Romance? <laughs> he really, really cleaned up interestingly. I don't know where he got leather pants in Westeros, but he got them, man. He just... <laughs> if you can bring up a, a photo of him from uh, from last year. 
Uh, do we have like the old with him with the driftwood crown and he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. he lost some weight. He's got like, some like, freshman fifteen beard. I'm still <laughs> oh, a little yeah. Yeah. I'm still a little mad he has both eyes. Yeah. How hard is it to throw an eye patch on a pirate? Yeah. You know what? Beric has taken that, so yeah, Beric yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you didn't want to confuse anybody. Don't want to mix up the eye patch guys. Exactly. Exactly. All right. That's a, great a little point. bit too piratey. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You can never go full pirate. <laughs> I, I, don't go full pirate. <laughs> I think that's it. They didn't want to confuse the audience yeah. about which eye patch was which. Uh, <laughs> put on the other eye. Nobody will know, everybody will know the difference. That's fair. Yeah, he does come in like a the singer for My Chemical Romance, and yeah. he makes a, a marriage proposal and a promise of a gift to Cersei, which we actually we sort of touched on, but you know who else is in the room is Jamie Lannister. And I think this was a bit of maybe a lost story thread, or maybe they thought it would be too confusing, but Jamie's really back to where he started. I thought we spent so much time last season of, of him reforming, and then you know his biggest character moment is when he he's the Kingslayer, when he stabbed a mad king in the back, and he just saw his sister, his love, go mad and blow everyone up, which is what he tried to stop many years ago, mm -hmm. and he's just like, meh, eh, Team Cersei. He had the moment with her in the, again, map room, uh, you know, tale of two maps right there, but it, with, should I be afraid of you? And no, I'm not angry with you. And we're like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he still seems reticent about it. I don't think he's completely on he's board with all this yet. He's reserving judgment. Absolutely. So there's, there's the theory, and I don't know where, I know where Michelle stands on this, and we're in agreement, um, that Jamie is actually going to have to ultimately, there's the prophecy that her little brother kills her and she he is her little brother technically yeah. mm -hmm. so that Jamie is ultimately going to have to do the same thing again and realize they've got a totally mad ruler who's willing to burn everyone and kill his sister probably kill himself at the same time or will it be like in the books that he <laughs> <laughs> he just becomes his own man and he's like I'm done with you yeah but it seems no. like his redemptive arc has kind of been paused uh, it seemed like he was get, he was getting better. He was learning some humility and some chivalry, and now he's like, "Meh, don't bone my sister. That's my job." So much. <laughs> he was just concerned with like firing back at Euron, making hand jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I guess uh, maybe the Hound is kind of taking his spot as the as the crappy guy who's who's learning to be good for us. Although the Hound That's doesn't not have that arc potentially if he's the Grave Digger. I will yeah, that will go Or Azura High, or, or oh, who knows. Oh, quick thing, yeah. wait, before, <laughs> before we actually leave King's Landing, there was one small little thing I, I noticed. So behind Cersei in the throne room, uh, she's got a Lannister lion now on that wall behind her. Mm. And I know we, I don't think we have a clip of it, but if you go back to Danny's prophecy where she's walking through the throne room and it's all broken and there's ash or snow falling through it, there was a seven-pointed star behind her. Yes, these are the things I look for. Okay. So okay. I thought that was interesting because maybe that means the the prophecy doesn't actually come true or it was like a vision of the past mm. instead of the future for her. Oh, yes, you see the lion behind her in the throne room there and that's not what we see when Danny walks through. So, so I don't know how that's going to change. I like she's dropped all pretense of being a prophet. Totally. <laughs> she's like, no, <laughs> she's like, no Lannister country, this so, is it. So we just saw in that picture and, and since we're noting stuff like nitpicky here, I want everybody to kind of note Gregor Clegane's, the, the shape of his helmet. Oh, perhaps. And we might get back to that a little bit later. <laughs> I liked Kyburn being next to the throne, too. My, you know, he, he didn't say anything, but he was kind of cool just standing there being all mystery. Yeah. That's really interesting. Look at his so, new armor here. Yeah. Does that call all 
all prophecy, all visions into question. It could have been a vision of the past, maybe, instead of the future. It, it's, I mean, that gets into the whole philosophy thing of is everything actually predetermined and is Bran actually time traveling or oh, is he changing God. things and let's not even go there. <laughs> we can go there um, when we get back to the <laughs> fire scenes. I want to go there. <laughs> we'll get there. That's we'll exactly get there. where I want to go. <laughs> but uh, before we leave King's Landing, I wanted to talk a little bit about Jamie and Cersei and uh, just... What what's their long game? I mean, they are, as she says, surrounded on all sides by enemies. And is that enough to just have another crazy pirate with some ships on their side? Or, or she said she learned some things from Tywin. What's her long game here? What allies could they possibly have? I have no idea how she's going to do this. Somehow Greyjoy showed up with the largest fleet that Westeros has ever seen, even though there's no trees on the Iron Islands. Yeah. But... I don't know how that's going to be enough. There's so much against them. I have no idea what she's going to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually very interested to see what her plan is. But right, right now, I'm not sure. I have a guess. Machinations. Go on. Various machinations. This is what I think. I think they're going to start to... Um, it's, it's a long game, and it, may, and it may not work, but sow the seeds of doubt, um, basically, among the people about... Danny's ability to rule and then just keep reminding them of the Mad King and how dangerous he was and that that's her bloodline and that if the threat of the White Walkers starts coming through, blame her. Be like, well, they came when she came. That's Is she going to blame yeah. the sept of Baylor on Danny, no, no, no. too? I mean, <laughs> just go full Trump on I this mean, and be like, it was Danny's fault. Blame hey, Danny. Political, political propaganda. And also, I would imagine that, look, all of these houses are almost all dead, right? We've got the Lady Oleana to deal with, but if he, she's dead, then who speaks for that? Who, who speaks for the Tyrells, you know? She could be trying to make alliances behind the backs of these people. She's also got to be broke at this point without the Tyrells in, in right. such She debt. never paid back yeah. the Iron Bank. Yeah. Like she yeah. still owes them a lot of money. I don't know. Personally, I just think she's delusional at Here's, this point. Yeah, she's delusional, but I think what she has in her favor is that other people uh, arrayed against her are generally good people. Like John and Daenerys, they'll probably, I'm guessing, given the choice between stopping the unstoppable ice army and stopping Cersei, they'll go north and they'll probably defend the whole realm, which leaves her an opening. If everyone's attention is up at the wall, she can now grow her kingdom without meeting much resistance. I think that's the only thing she has in her favor is to distract people. Uh, but how much does she even know about what's going on up north? I mean, she was told, I she but knows. I don't think she cares. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's her only opening at this point. Um, let's take another call if we have one. Yo. <laughs> Yo, Hi. what's up, man? Pretty good. So, uh, speaking about hipster, pirate, you're in Greyjoy, I was thinking, what are you guys' theories on his gift? Because people are probably saying it's either going to be a dragon horn, Gendry, the head of uh, the Sand Snakes, or Tyrion. No what one cares think? about Gendry. I care. <laughs> I, I care about Gendry. I care about shirtless sweat, huh? Just regular Gendry. Gendry, yeah. Gendry yeah. wouldn't do her any good. I mean, she'd immediately kill him. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe that's rejecting the gift. That's possible. Actually, that's like, that's a good theory. Because, oh. yeah, I mean, yeah. he may think that it matters to her with uh, Gendry being technically like the last Baratheon, but, yeah, I, I imagine they would be like, I don't care. I'm queen already. What yeah. do I care? I will now murder you. Yeah. And stuff. So yeah, I guess a possibility. Just pulling back in like a meta sense of how much time we have left, I don't think it's going to be Tyrion. Um, and I, Because I, if it was, she would immediately kill him. Um, and he's not. He's going to stick around. And mm. it, I think it's probably most likely the Sand Snakes, uh, mm. someone who's defied her that you know she might end up teaming up with because I feel like they have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares about the Sand Snakes anymore. Love it. Should yeah. I read a tweet? Yeah, yeah. Um, hashtag Watching Thrones. 
Donnell says that the scene with Ed, um, Sharon hinted with the song, which we'll talk about later, that there's discord in the Lannister ranks, which is a really great point. Um, And then also... Um, yes, we will Stredja definitely talk about the song. Taxic, I'm so sorry, I'm trying, man. <laughs> um, says she used Spencer to Bran is the heir of Winterfell by right, but he can renounce it if he wants. Oh, good. Oh, oh okay. I can see him. Problem doing solved. That. Yeah. He'd rather slide around. Keep on sledding. Ho, Mira, go. Caller, thank you so much for your question. We are now going on to uh, the Riverlands. We have had a lot of talk of Arya and Hohu. We'll get to Ed Sheeran's <laughs> big ginger mug. Uh, but first, we want to talk about uh, the opening scene of the episode and just, like, the best feeling I've had in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I was so happy. The more you think about it, the more questions you have. But uh, <laughs> forget that. It was great to watch her poison an entire room full of phrase. Yeah. What are we calling that? Satisfying? Okay. <laughs> the red wedding. The big roofie. Oh, okay. Yeah, the big roofie. Yeah. There you go. The roofie toast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's Aria right there. I'm calling if you it just it. desserts. Just go. desserts. Which well played okay. acting wise. Just to kind of the the difference between playing him as like a bitter uh, Walder Frey and kind of Aria's little glee. About poisoning everyone. Oh, it was so great. What actually so one one main thing I really liked about the scene was it did point out that she's not just indiscriminately killing. She yeah. she saves the wives, she saves the girls. Like she just she's still choosing her targets, yeah. which she's is got nice. a list, but the list kind of grows or shrinks depending yeah, on a little bit, somebody. a little bit. But she's not just like, eh, you're all here. I'm just gonna kill all of you. Yeah. yeah. So that's so she's still got some humanity left in her, which I, I find helpful. She has some starkiness, but she's she's managed to evolve and adjust the t- that moral code to the realities that she finds herself in. So yeah. you still feel good mm-hmm. about rooting for her, even though she's a mass murderer. That's Definitely. pretty terrible to root for a mass murderer, but this is the Game of Thrones. Who Spencer. isn't a mass murderer? <laughs> That's a short list, you're right. I felt good. It felt good. I loved it. Um, so good. I think yeah. Maisie Williams said it in, a, in an interview somewhere else that she's like, I wonder how much I'm going to be able to get away with before the fans start turning on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot. I'm curious the same thing. Yeah. A lot. A lot. I like that uh, they mirrored Sansa's walk away from uh, Ramsey from last season with this with Maisie Williams walking away and kind of doing the little smile. Yeah. That it's was, a fair point that, though, nice. that she has been so violent and killed so many people. Do we think that she I didn't think this before but maybe Arya's got some retribution coming to her. Like this is kind of a live by the sword, die by the sword thing. I can't see her finishing her list and be like well alright time to go back to horse riding. That's not <laughs> how this world works. I mean this yeah. world doesn't really work like live by the sword. It's not that clean. You know the people that don't deserve resem- redemption often get it. That don't deserve a second chance they often get it. People that do and that have lived well often die badly. I don't think it works that way. So if it did work that way for Arya, that wouldn't really make a ton of sense for this series. We'll talk about this later. She yeah. also had one of my favorite lines in the series that in that fun. moment. Mm-hmm. My continuing theory with Arya is that she's like the operative from Serenity. Like she's <laughs> she's creating a better world, but she has no place in it. Yeah, yes. she's just the spirit of vengeance. And once that like, spirit is done, yeah, once that spirit is done. There's no other story for her. She's Stoneheart. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Do I get punished? I've got a question for a caller, if uh, if we can bring one up. Uh, uh, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi. Hi. I'm Emily. I'm from New Jersey. Hey, Hi, Emily. Emily. What's How's up, going? East Coast? I was wondering to you, did, did uh, the... Did Arya becoming Walder Frey, did that track to you? Or were you like, wait a second, how did she impersonate this old man down to the, I, down to the jokes and the body language? 
I was really confused because I thought she killed Frey like a while ago. So how did they not know he was dead? Right. He it probably to, like, took a minute to again. get all these lords assembled. Timeline. Yeah. yeah. Makes more pies. Did she, did she plan this immediately after killing him? Right. Yeah. Did she decide to stick around and like, oh, I could probably tag off a few more if I called another feast together. Like, I think this, drop is the a, invites. this is a case of a reverse <laughs> jetpack. She, we, don't, we don't know how long she's been at that castle watching Walder Frey and getting everything together. So, I mean, she could have been there for weeks for all we know. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. last time we saw her, what was it? There was a, you know, Jamie and Braun were still there. Yeah. So... I think I think she's been there a lot longer than we think she has. Exactly. Been. People were asking how she could imitate him. Well, she was imitating the maid who nobody would notice, and she could have just been observing his behavior. Exactly. You know, she's trained assassin. Like she wouldn't just make her move right away with no mm. plan. And there's obviously again some time has elapsed between the time she minced up her his sons, killed him, and then called this new feast. Yeah, I just I mean <laughs> I, I don't like that we have to go back and justify this because I think they had an opportunity to explain how all this worked last season. When she was in training with the faceless men and but, watching that insurance yeah. guy like she's that's the part of the training is to right. watch and, oh. and imitate okay. and know yeah. their habits exactly yeah. yeah they did explain it last season so Emily you're not happy with it <laughs> 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 I mean I just wanted to um, talk about my favorite quote of the entire episode was Clegane saying it's my fucking luck I end up with a band of fireworks <laughs> <laughs> dramatic irony indeed uh, uh, the hound had so many good moments <laughs> this uh, episode really did. thank you so much for calling in Emily appreciate it um, but Bye. before we leave uh, Arya behind um, she ran into some other people Pop sensation Ed Sheeran. Because yeah. uh, why not? This was a little distracting to some, and, and others were defending it. Where, where do you guys stand on the on House Sheeran? I don't, <laughs> I don't care. Ed of House Sheeran. I do not care at all. What do you think? Um, so I think they did this as a surprise for her. Like sure. The, she's a huge fan, so they really did it for her. But here, here's my concern with this, is that a couple of times now we've run into a group of people that are supposed to represent the everyman in this world and the fact of how the ever, average citizen is getting impacted by these huge wars, right? And that they matter and that they're human and that just because they're Lannisters, they're not evil. And all of this to make it count that they either die, like in the Hound's case, or that she lets them live, because presumptively she was planning to kill them when she first ran into Lannister soldiers, right? But she let them live because they're not bad people. But each time we have huge stars here and then either Ian McShane to tell us that it matters that they live or die. So that's kind of like undercutting your point to me. Like it should matter that they live or die because they're human and it matters that they live or die. Does that make any sense? Not because it's Ed Sheeran. Not because it's Ed Sheeran. But he does matter more than us. Well, I mean, I mean, he's better than us. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I'm not arguing that point, Spencer. I just think it was a little heavy-handed to be like, okay, you could not find a more band of, like, likable people yeah. than these guys. And, you know, it's like, oh, my wife just had a kid, and I don't even know if it's a boy or girl. What? And uh, we're just here, and I made you some blackberry wine. Like, mm. Well, I think they made a smart decision in not making him the focus of that scene. He's singing and everything, but then when Ari gets over there, it's a, it's the other I character. Know, there's yeah, some and the guy who made the wine. And, yeah, he's in the background because he's there. There's only five people there, six people there. But it's all about the guy who just had the kid, the other guy who makes the wine, yeah. and yes. Ari. It's not about Ed Sharon, the whole scene. Do you want to talk about the song? 
The song? Hands of Gold. The, uh, Let's talk about the song. Simon Silvertone? Uh, yeah, Simon oh, Silvertone's from the song. What was Spencer oh. going to say? You were going to say no, that. Oh, yeah, you get yours. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't want uh, celebrity cameos at all, or certainly not ones that rise above a certain threshold, because it just breaks the immersion for me. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, that's so-and-so. I, I did miss, like, the Sigur Ross one. Like, that flew under the radar. They're the band mm-hmm. at Joffrey's wedding. And, like, that's the right kind. You need to, to be obscure and Icelandic to score a cameo. I on totally agree. Not, like, because Benioff wants you to play as kid's bar mitzvah or something like that. <laughs> he was too big of a star. I completely agree. I agree. And just out of it. Like, he's not an actor. He's, I mean, he's a musician. Maybe, I, yeah, I get they were trying to blend fine. the world. Have you not seen his music video? <laughs> Do you no. guys have any uh, cameos that you'd make an exception for? No. Anyone dropping in? No. Okay. I just, I I just want Tom Cruise running that. across the <laughs> That's how everybody gets everywhere so fast. Tom Cruise puts him on his back and he just runs. Oh, I love it. Katy Perry is the latest brothel, madam, sure. Yeah, right, now we're talking. Um, uh, You you were going to say something about the uh, song you were singing, Hands of Gold. Oh, the song. Well, no, Kyle, please, book book reader. Oh, my gosh. So uh, you guys are going to have to refresh me a little bit. I get things mixed up here. But this was, uh, Tyrion was going into one of the the brothels or whatnot, and there was a, uh, there was a, so it was a song um, that he, the lyrics were about him and Shay. Shay. And yes. so he is, one of the lines from the song he actually is saying to her as he is doing been... the murder. Um, <laughs> yes, because <laughs> and, and it's, and it's good to know that in the books, the uh, the hand the hand is a a necklace of, yes, of yes. gold hands that interlock mm. and not just a pin that goes on you. So that's what the song yeah, was the referring song was to. About yeah, him. I think the, the show does better. It seems very cold. hands across America. Well, it's kind of like the maesters bit. have the chain here, yeah. but the hand has a Helping chain hands. of hands. It yeah. was yeah. a nice nod to the book readers. But it's basically I, I like um, being in love with a woman, right? And like she's more like the woman's love is more important than gold. La 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 la. Um, and hands of gold. Well, who has a gold hand in this? Who's a Lannister that has a gold hand that has mm. in love with a woman? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. That's Jamie Lannister's music. <laughs> Jamie yeah. Lannister music. I feel like they're just like hinting at like there is descent between the Lannisters. It was Lannister nice twins. to tie all of that together. Funny story. Yeah, drink. that was nice. That's uh, true. Let's not leave the Riverlands quite yet because we have some other people trudging around there. Uh, we've got the Hound and the Brotherhood. Uh, they are still tromping around. Uh, where? Remind me, where are they headed? Where are they going? They're going north. They're going yeah. north. Uh, they're going north. Without well. banners have decided that their true calling is to fight the White Walkers and fight the evil going in the north, so that's the way that they're headed. And uh, after Ian McShane's demise, uh, Hound decides to meet up with them and go their way. So yeah, is the Hound, this is the question I want to pose, is he a changed man uh, at this point? Is he has he fully uh, grown out of the hound we used to know and love, who didn't give a shit about anybody? I think, I think that hound is, is there. I yeah. think that hound is still sticking down there. Like if he gets into a fight or whatnot, we're going to see the old hound. But uh, yeah, I think he's trying to push it down. I think he's trying to subdue it, trying, trying to change. But you know, he's, we know how I much change trying to do the sticks right thing. around. And again, a little heavy-handed to you know bring us back to the season four cabin of the farmer and his daughter that he stole from. Which I would not have gotten if they hadn't replayed at the, uh, at the scenes previously from last on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally thank you that. for that callback. I definitely appreciate. It's a fun. It's almost a spoiler for the episode when you watch the previously's on because you're just like, oh, well, that's going to come back around again. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. But I, I mean, but it did enable us to get to. I know your favorite moment with the hound of him digging graves. Mm, in the books, thing, uh, <laughs> the the hound is uh, has a great a scene as the grave digger, and uh, well, we'll get to this in our finale for Raging Thrones. So we we'll talk think. about it. <laughs> he uh, also 
also had one of the better lines of the night. Like, so many sassy lines. Why are you so glum? Experience. Experience. <laughs> but he is, he, is he fully converted to the Lord of Light, you think? After his, Has he found religion? His vision? Uh, he goes fat. He, he saw the flames and he's yeah. a believer. He goes really quick into, uh, uh, into believing. Or does he? I mean, I thought that was an interesting choice that he gets the visions. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Do you well, think he's a believer? I guess he is, and you know, the Lord of Light clearly works in mysterious ways, which they talk about. Um, you know, Dondarrion is like, I don't know why they picked me. Yeah. They have kind of this whole talk about how it doesn't need to be particularly this, these special men who get chosen to do great things. And that gives maybe some credence to uh, the, uh, is the hound Azor Ahai about to be reborn with a flaming sword? Ooh, I, wow. I was looking at that theory last night. Wow, <laughs> I didn't see that theory Beric, yet. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, Beric has Lightbringer, which he could be just, his whole purpose could be to get it to John. But the other thing is that like, George R. R. Martin in an interview sort of let slip that, that Beric basically acts as foreshadowing to let you know that he's becoming less and less and less himself the more times he's res resurrected. Uh, he's like a fire white. Mm -hmm. And John, the question is, like, is John the same thing? He's, because if you think about what Jon Snow is in this world, he is ice and fire. Mm. He is Targaryen. He is Stark. He is dead. He is alive. If this is a war between, he's fire and ice at the same time. If this is a war between the living and the dead, where does he land in that? He's the embodiment. He's of in the of embodiment those. of the entire It's tough for him to get more distant and mopey. Than he already is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not really seeing it as far as the performance goes. But I'm curious, like, Beric and Thoros have, have had to see some major stuff because all of a sudden the hounds start seeing visions or whatnot. Nobody cares. It's like somebody just. Beric looked like he cared. Do you yeah, really think so? Yeah. He, was just kinda like, he almost looked hurt. It's like, really, yeah. this guy? Come on. Yeah. Okay, all right. I must <laughs> have missed Beric's reaction, why but it do you seemed get like. the visions now. Yeah. And let's yeah. talk Mom about. Daddy what doesn't love me anymore. Yeah, let's talk about the specifics of the visions. He sees a castle where the wall meets the sea, something about some arrowheads and the dead are marching obviously East foreshadowing East Watch by the sea. East Watch yes. Yes. So and the dead marching past marching past. past the wall could we get any more foreshadowing of the wall falling down he's like no. I see the wall log falls yeah. sparks yeah. fly like oh, okay thanks yeah. and meanwhile the citadel is like oh the world's not gonna end that's how I knew the wall was going stand. down when the of course like, it's going down don't worry about yeah. it the wall will Absolutely. still be there the wall's gone the right. wall is totally gone and the arrow mountain I yeah, do how we gotta talk about the is that dragonglass? Is that is see, he actually referring to? Or is a mountain shaped like an arrowhead mm. an allusion to the mountain's new armor? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting theory. There's, you know, I'm split. I'm yeah. very split on it being a actual literal mountain, mountain that he just sees that the dead are walking past, and you could just simply take it as that's the literal thing he's seeing. Or is it the Lord of Light? Or is it another case of him interpreting things he's seeing wrong, like Melisandre did? Yep. Mm. Or is it a different else. mountain? Or I was thinking mountain. like maybe he was seeing the dead like in Bran's vision, right? And then he was also seeing the mountain that's actually hiding all of the dragon glass. Under dragon glass. So it's like okay. the answer okay. to yeah. he's he's given the problem and the answer in one vision. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All this theorizing makes mm. me want to go to the citadel. Um, <laughs> nice transition. Yeah. And can we get a caller? Because I have a very important question oh, for God. them. Hello? Hey caller, uh, where are you calling from? Up? What's your name? I'm Eric from Philly. Hey, hey, man. Uh, so, what's the difference between stew and poop? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's slight, uh, right? Is it a big yeah. difference or a little difference? Pretty big difference. <laughs> How do you feel about the big uh, musical number, almost, <laughs> montage of, of Sam's life at the Citadel? Which, if you play backwards, is a Pink Floyd song. I, his stuff at the Citadel, though, even though it was gross, it was some of my favorite stuff in the episode. Oh. I thought it was 
hilarious. Oh god, it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, and I think it was awesome. I, I really loved, I wish they had done this with Arya and the Faceless Men instead of doing a whole season of that. Like, I got it. I got what he was there to do and the gruelingness of the routine. I thought that was a brilliant way to get that across. But Sam being the comic oh, yeah. figure, it yeah. makes always sense. Always being shit on. That oh, he is God. literally being shit on He's now. He's just always oh. the student, oh. never never the master. Oh. Someone make someone make a techno remix. Of someone this. is making ten people are making that remix on YouTube right now. So I guarantee you it's there already. Um, I'm so disturbed. So much this. fluid. I have a question. Do yes. tell. Did you catch in the book that when Sam was going through the book that Catpaw, <laughs> the Valyrian yes. dagger that was used to kill Bran, was in the book? Yes. No. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. And I actually, I did want to talk about that because I'm that person who went back and paused yeah, the, on the pages it, yeah. to try to, and like squinted at them to try to read. Yeah. On the page with the Catpaw dagger, uh, really all the words are saying is just talking about how people were using dragon glass as ornamentation for their daggers. Yeah. So really, I mean, I, I wish it had been more yeah. than this, but cool enough, all it really means is that dragon glass dagger's really freaking old. Yeah, because the uh, Thank you for your question, Eric, by the way. But yeah, uh, yeah, I totally saw cool. that. Thank you. Arya's got that knife. Is that who? Yeah, I, know, she? I know she has it in the promo pictures in for the this picture. season, but have yeah. we established? I was looking for it. Has we, have we established that in the show? We haven't established yet, in the yeah. show yet, but in the promo pictures, Joanna Robinson of Vanity Fair pointed out, like, she's got it. She's got that dagger. What do you think? That's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I saw the promo picture as well, and so she's definitely going to get it at some point. I'm curious. I don't know exactly wow. where it is right now. I'm not sure either. But I know Ned had it at Caitlin one point. There you go. Littlefinger. Sure and that was, was, was it was Valerian steel and dragon bone. Dragon yeah. bone. The, yes. the handle was made out of dragon bone. I don't remember, but yeah, lots of dra- lots of dragons steel. in that. Yeah, and it was yeah. Valerian steel dagger. Littlefinger lied and said Wait, that what? Tyrion. No. <laughs> I mean, he said that Tyrion won it, right? So yeah. the question still is: We still don't entirely know. And correct me if I'm wrong, everyone. We don't entirely know who actually sent that assassin to kill Bran because this is the knife that the assassin was using to kill Bran. So it's possible that Littlefinger lied and he still got it. It was implied, but then that it, it was, was on Joffrey. Ned's, it was on Ned's mm, desk. Yeah. Yeah, that Ned it had it. The at last the time we end. saw it is that Ned, Ned that had Ned, it. I know there was a photo of Ned having it in King's Landing. Yeah. Um, it was implied that Joffrey was the one who but sent. Joffrey makes sent no him. sense. Like, why would he because send he somebody was, to cover up his parents having sex? Because it wasn't. Or, no, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't that. You? He said he sent to kill him because he's crippled, and he, overheard, and he overheard Robert saying like, "Oh, that someone should just put that boy out of his misery." So it was like one of his last things of trying to impress his father. So this was oh, the big. Okay, it wasn't to cover up the incest. The big revelation. From this okay. episode was Sam's discovery that Dragonglass, yes. uh, there's a big lump of it under King's Landing. Yes. And, uh, you know, we might be a little sketchy on the details under, of what... You mean uh, under, I'm sorry, King's Landing, Dragonstone. Yeah. Uh, which we already knew because uh, yeah. uh, we've already been told by Stannis, yeah. but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, that's what counts for Revelation in episode one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to that give us all of it. even more information about it, we have a little segment we like to call the uh, Maester's Lesson, and our own resident Maester, chainless though she may be, uh, is going to teach us a little bit about Dragonlass. So far, yeah, I don't like sleeping with a chain, sorry. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, basically going to be a little bit about kind of Dragonstone and Dragonglass itself. Uh, Dragonstone, you know, we've mentioned it before, it's Danny's ancestral home. Uh, this is where Aegon's actual like great uh, great grandfather grandfather landed before the doom of Valyria because it was prophesied that Valyria was going to fall. So they were already there before Aegon decided to go all conquery and take over Westeros. Uh, 
Basically, after the conquest, Aegon split his time between King's Landing and Dragonstone. You get a really nice shot of that great table in the room where Danny is kind of taking her small council now. Uh, that was that table was commissioned by Aegon to show all of the kingdoms without any borders, without any walls, just kind of showing his entire dominion. So that table's over 300 years old. Uh, it's nice to just get it back in the family. And like Spencer said, uh, as far as the dragon glass is concerned, we did know this back in, I think, season five when Stannis told Sam about the dragon glass uh, underneath Dragonstone before Sam decided to find the same information in Hogwarts restricted section. <laughs> but, Shout out to Professor Slughorn. Totally. But considering it's, you know, the only weapon that we've seen that can kill a White Walker besides Valyrian steel, uh, Danny's forces better start making like Snow Wife's dwarves and uh, get to work down there. And it's going to be yeah. good because now that Sam has <laughs> notified John of the fact that there is all this dragon glass underneath Dragonstone, that might be what starts bringing John down to borrow a cup of dragon glass from his little southern neighbor. Ooh. And then they're going to take Tyrion's advice. They're going to hit it. <laughs> I have bad Incest news. Incest threat level rising. Yes, Roth. Yes. I have bad news for you, Spencer. What's up? Um, again, from Donnell, there is a rumored Conor McGregor cameo coming up. Is that Not smoke? necessary. No. Unless he's like a, oh. a troll or something like that. He'd actually be a good troll. Um, and Robert Moore says that he's uh, Euron's going to bring Illyria Sand because Tyrion's too tall of an order. Oh! Wow! <laughs> Nicely played. Wow! Oh, Tyrion said the same five or six jokes <laughs> just over and over again. Yeah, we love you. Thank you for watching. Yay, dad Thank jokes! We, we we may not love the show and our, and what people have to say unconditionally, but there are some things that we really do like that we like to signal out uh, at the end of every episode, which brings us to the inaugural segment, uh, which we like to call. Raging Throners. <laughs> this is where we each pick our absolute favorite moment of the episode. And I'm gonna start with you, Kyle. I love the silent arrival at Dragonstone. For a lot of talk about nothing happening this episode, we have the moment we've been waiting for for so damn long as Daenerys arrives in Westeros. And I thought it was beautiful that she just showed up. It was silent, they gave her her moment and everything. And this was such a big deal. And it's so huge in the show. And to have it be a quiet moment, I think was awesome. It was raging. <laughs> Roth, what do you got? Mine was definitely just the line from Arya. I don't know why. I just love this line. Winter just came for the phrase. It's just so mm -hmm. Arya and badass and awesome. Like, Winter just came for you. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Michelle, what gives you the most raging throners? This scene between Sansa and Jon going back and forth. And I, again, just the writing between the two um, playing on your emotions and the vulnerabilities of both, and you're just not knowing which side to come down on. Solid. Now for me, I'm gonna get my bell ready, it's when the Hound is digging graves, because that is an allusion to the grave digger scene in the books, where uh, it prompts one of my favorite speeches about uh, what it means to, uh, to Brienne to be a broken man. It's brilliant, you should look it up if you haven't read the books, because it's really good. Even better than the show. Uh, <laughs> that is my raging throner. And uh, guys, we have to wrap it up here, but I want to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag uh, watching thrones, maybe even hashtag raging throner for your favorite parts. Uh, yes. And you gotta come back because we'll be doing this every Monday morning, yep. 11 a.m., right here on Screen Junkies News for seven long weeks. Uh, can't wait. Thank you so much again for joining us, Kyle. Thank you so much for having me. And remind us where we can find you, the podcast of Ice and Fire. You can find Fire. me at Podcast of Ice and Fire or at Kyle Maddock on Twitter. Nice. 
Thank you for coming. Yes, thank <laughs> you for filling that fourth seat, Roth. Um, I am at Roth Cornette on Twitter. I'm on SJ News pretty frequently all We're the time. We're about to be there all the time. I'm going to give us all one thought to think about from Renzo on Twitter. The book also mentions that dragon glass could be used to cure diseases. Could this be where Jorah gets Jorah, yeah, just slice that arm yeah. off. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Uh, Michelle Boyd, thank you for joining us. Thank you, as always. Uh, you can find me at, at Michelle Boyd on all platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch. And uh, I will be at Comic-Con this oh. upcoming weekend as with well. With us. With you guys. Oh, nice. We'll be covering the Game yes. of Thrones panel. Yes. That's right. Yes, so, Game so of Thrones work. panel. So, you know, if you're down in San Diego, come say hi. Uh, definitely come say hi. Uh, come to Screen Junkie Central if you can, and follow me on Twitter at Spencer J Gilbert. This has been the inaugural episode of season two of Watching Thrones. Oh, no, See you next no, week. No, no, no. This episode was presented by T-Mobile, America's best unlimited network.